Once again, we discover that God's way of timing is not the same as ours. Jesus was born yesterday. He's 12 today. <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> Growth spurt. A part of the mystery that we celebrate of the incarnation of Christ, that he lives in a family, a special family, but also a family like others. We celebrate in these 16 days of the Christmas season the hidden life of Christ, the 30 years before he goes public in the major way. There's a little bit of public today, but on a minor key. The importance of the family is something that Pope Francis has been very strong about emphasizing. And in fact, um, I guess he kind of got lost in the year of St. Joseph and in our diocese, the double year of the Eucharist and St. Joseph. But since March 19th on the Feast of St. Joseph, the Pope has invited us to, to have a year of the family. And he encourages us on this fifth anniversary of his uh, apostolic letter, exhortation called Amoris Laetitia, uh, uh, the joy of love, which is basically on the family. Uh, it's a great teaching, it's rather lengthy, but we have more time because this um, particular observance uh, is lasting more than a year and will conclude on uh, June the 26th of the coming year. So an encouragement to check that out if you are not aware of it. It hasn't gotten, again, high emphasis just yet. A little quick comment about the scripture of today. And of course, it is a marvelous moment and one that is full and could be gone into again in great depth. But just one of the keys, of course, is that Jesus, though he is born into a holy family and he himself is the son of God, we hear in this little vignette that his family was very much like every other family. There was a miscommunication. Hmm, has that ever happened before? <laughs> or since? Or now? Oh yeah. It's not sinful, not at all. But the limitations of humanity appears. <laughs> a misunderstanding. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? <laughs> what? <laughs> a puzzlement. It seems that Jesus may have thought it was time for him already to begin the public ministry. He was speaking with the elders, the teachers of the law, and he was doing very well with them. <laughs> He was impressive, but his parents, Mary and Joseph, say, don't think so. That's not what we're getting. Let's go back to Nazareth. Okay, 
He's obedient to them. Wow. Son of God is obedient to his creatures. This is astounding. <laughs> but an example to teach us humility and again, the values, as we heard in the other scriptures, that are very ordinary, really, though in our world they're exceptional <laughs> because of the experiences that we've had in terms of family over the last decades, actually. So what I really want to share with you today is a segment of a reflection, which is actually a lead-in to a reflection on the scriptures of today, by Peter Kreeft. Some of you may be familiar with him. He's an excellent um, commentator on all things Catholic. And he's written a wonderful book on the sea cycle of readings called Food for the Soul. And in his preamble uh, to reflection on the scriptures of today, he has this to say about the family in general. Today is Holy Family Sunday, a day when the church honors not only the holy family of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, but also your family, all families, and the institution of the family itself, which was deliberately designed by God. The family is the single most important institution on earth. Did you hear that? The family most important institution on earth. A lot of people ain't believing that right now. <laughs> That's a problem. All the happiest, most peaceful, and most enduring societies in history have had a deep respect for the family. It is the first place where we learn life's most important lesson, unselfish love. The love that consists in the gift of your very self and life to others. Each of us came into this world only because two other persons did that, laid down their lives for us. The family is the pay it forward system. No one can possibly give their parents the gift their parents gave them, the gift of life. We cannot pay back that debt. So we pay it forward to our children. That is the rationale between God's invention of the family. The family is far more, is in far more desperate straits today than it ever was in the history of the world, in our civilization, that is, in what used to be called Christendom or Christian civilization. Half of all marriages now end in divorce. A stable family is now the exception rather than the rule. That was never, ever happened before in the history of the world. And therefore, you can do more for the world, more for the future of the human race, by being a good family member, by loving and respecting and honoring and working for the good of your family, than by anything else, by any other public, social, or political work you will possibly do. That applies to the three most important human relationships in the world, to your parents, to your spouse, and your children. Not all of us have children, but all of us have parents, unless you procreated yourself. 
The family is the first school where we learn genuine, honest love and care for the good of others. Everywhere else, you are loved for what you can do for your performance, whether in the workplace or in the entertainment industry or in sports. But in your family, you are loved for yourself. You are loved simply because you belong to them and they belong to you. Outside the walls of your home, you are loved because you perform. Inside, you are loved just because you exist. That's one reason why homelessness is a terrible thing. The law of God, the Ten Commandments, is divided into two parts, duties to God and duties to each other. The very first commandment in the second part, the very first principle of all social justice is honor your father and your mother. That includes their parents too. Until recently, nearly all families were multi-generational. In most ancient languages, there is a single word that means honoring the gods and honoring your family, your parents and ancestors. The word in Latin is pietas, from which we get the English word piety. It means reverence or respect. Every society in history has had a high respect for religion, that, that has had a high respect for religion, has also had a high respect for the family and vice versa. By that standard, by both halves of that standard, we are the least pious society in the history of the world. Half of our families commit suicide by divorcing. That's what a divorce is, the ripping apart of the one flesh created by marriage and breaking the fundamental horizontal relationship is both the main cause and the main effect of breaking the fundamental vertical relationship with God. Thus, each year in nearly every nation in Western civilization, for every single person who enters the church, between five and 10 people leave. Churches and families always live or die together. A marriage is the creation of a family, the very essence of the family, the minimum core of it. It is the thing that in itself constitutes a family and without which we do not have a family no matter what else we have. A marriage is essentially a man and a woman who promise fidelity and are open to having children. That is the essence of the design created and willed by God the Creator. No one can change that design. We can only change the names. We can call two people who live together but who are not unselfish and not open to new life, who deliberately refuse to have any children ever, a family, but it is not. God does not call it that. What about a friendship, sexual or non-sexual, between two men or two women, or among more than two? We can choose to call that a gay marriage or a group marriage, as no society or culture in human history has ever done, if we wish, but that does not make it so. Abraham Lincoln once asked, if you call a tail a leg, how many legs 
does a dog have? He answered, four. Calling a tail a leg does not make it a leg. A relationship between two people of the same sex may be genuinely good, self-giving relationship, but that can only be a friendship, not a marriage or a family. That has always been the firm, clear, public, official, authoritative, unchanged, and unchangeable teaching of the church that speaks with the authority of Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate. That has been true from the beginning of human history, from the day God created mankind and announced that a man and a woman would forever become one flesh, one body, one real, new entity in marriage. Even when a family becomes dysfunctional, it is still a family. It is a dysfunctional family, but not a non-family. A bad family can become a good family again, but a good partnership or a good friendship or a good business cannot become a good family. Only a bad family can become a good family. There is, this, there is the same kind of hope for a bad family as there is for a bad individual. And every family is already a bad family, a fallen family, just as every individual is a fallen individual, including the saints. There's a little bad in the best of us and a little good in the worst of us. And there's always hope for all of us. Every little step counts, steps up as well as steps down, everyone and every act counts. The Catholic Church is the only institution in the world that still, everywhere and always, teaches the fundamental and universal principles of sexual, marital, and family fidelity. That is why she is scorned and sneered at, especially by the secular media, and hated and feared by the devil because she dares to stand up to what St. John Paul the Great dared to call our culture of death and what Pope Benedict XVI called the dictatorship of relativism and stand for every single human being's intrinsic, inviolable, and inalienable right to life from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. Her no to abortion, her no to divorce, her no to the sexual revolution and sexual infidelity, and her no to euthanasia are all essential parts of that seamless garment of pro-life issues. These issues, all of which enter on the defense of the family, are not just Catholic issues or religious issues. They are human issues. The church is not their inventor, only their prophet. Like all the prophets, she does not move with the times, but with the eternities. She has always been countercultural. Only a live fish can swim upstream against the current. Dead and dying fish and dying cultures can only flow downstream with whatever is popular, whatever is current in the culture, downstream with the current that is current. The church is not dying, only sleeping. The Lord of life promised her that the gates of hell would not prevail against her. If hell itself cannot defeat her, 
the fools who say in their hearts there is no God won't do either. Human nature was not designed in Hollywood or Harvard, but in heaven. And no human being can ever escape human nature any more than a triangle can escape its three sides. An interesting point on which he concludes because our God is a triune God. God is family. We are made in the image and likeness of God, not just as individuals, but as a family. Amen?